We are proud to say that Bet DSI have rejoined us once again as one of our keynote sponsors on Three Yards Per Carry. We welcome them and we welcome you to join up with them. The NFL season obviously kicks off at the weekend. The college football season has just got underway, but it's not just limited to football. The baseball playoffs are coming. Uh, there are a myriad of other sports out there that you could bet on. There's entertainment things, there's politics things at betdsi.com. They have a great app. I've used it myself. I know the boys have used it too. They have a great mobile interface. And you know, this year you can get 101% match bonus on your first deposit of up to $1,000. That's 101% match bonus on your first deposit of up to $1,000. Use the code YARDS101. As always, YARDS101. Bet DSI for all of your betting needs and other ones that you probably didn't even know existed. Yards 101 with Bet DSI. Welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry, but before we go on with today's episode, let me tell you about a great sponsor of the 3 Yards Per Carry podcast, and that is AutoNation. If you're looking to buy or sell a vehicle, AutoNation is where you want to go. They're the largest auto retailer from coast to coast, and the friendly and knowledgeable staff here in South Florida will help you save big on huge selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs, Toyota, Honda, Chevrolet, Mercedes-Benz, and much, much more. If you're looking to buy pre-owned, shop AutoNation's huge selection of one-priced pre-owned vehicles. They're all clearly marked with one price, their lowest price, guaranteed. Or if you just want to get rid of that old car, turn it in for cash today. Get a top dollar offer and check the same day. They'll buy your car with no purchase necessary. Is your check engine light on? Right now, get their services you need at low AutoNation prices. Oil changes, tires, batteries, and more. All for less. Call or visit AutoNation.com to schedule your appointment today. If you are in the market for a new car, DM us at 3 yards per carry. That's at the number 3 yards per carry on Twitter. And I'll give you an AutoNation senior manager your info so they can reach out to you directly and walk you through the buying process. Now, on with the show. Welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of 3 Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. I have Chris Kaufman with me. I don't have Simon Clancy. He is still in Tokyo. We're hoping to have him next week. Well, Chris, there was a lot of news today in the... In the owners' meetings, as reported by Barry Jackson, Roger Goodell gave basically the blessing to this tank job because he says there is no tank job. Nobody's tanking. He doesn't see any tanking going on. And actually, a few owners actually gave their blessing to what the Dolphins are doing. So I guess we're in the clear. I think so. I seems like it. I don't, I don't know. Uh, you never know by the end of the season. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it'd be hard – for them to go back on their word now. So uh, they clearly looked into it, though, and that's the point that Simon tried to make earlier today um, a couple of times on Twitter is they looked into it and they decided that what was going on wasn't, um, you know, wasn't blatant enough for them to, to actually think about doing anything. What he did do is he he kind of – he gave he gave the – he put the cop Bosch on the uh, the lottery idea yeah um the draft lottery idea and i thought that was that was interesting yeah um, and, and i wonder i wonder who 
Well, it's obviously Goodell that said it, but I wonder who actually holds sway as far as that decision. Because mm-hmm. as as long as I can remember, Jerry Jones seems to act like he, he he's like the, the, the grand poobah in those owners' meetings. Yeah. But have you noticed how every single one of his proposals gets shot down? <laughs> he wanted the seventh playoff team. Shot down two years in a row. He wanted 18 games. Shot down two years in a row. He did not want a 17th game, and that looks like what, what might happen. Yeah. He did not want to get rid of two preseason games, and that looks like it's what, what's going to happen. So I guess Jerry Jones is not the one who's running the show there. So who is? I don't know. I mean, and he, clearly Jerry Jones has been total anti-Goodell and – and league office ever since the whole um, Ezekiel Elliott thing. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe he's, he's lost some favor with, with Goodell and maybe Goodell actually. It's prob- you know what it is. It's now. probably, uh, probably what's his name? The fucking, uh, sorry. Um, the, uh, uh, the, guy, the guy who hires uh, trafficked women to, to do things to him. Um, what's Bob his name? Kraft. No relation. Bob Kraft, yeah, that's yeah. the one. No relation to the to craft cheese, none. Yeah, none. No relation whatsoever. Yes. Yeah, uh, and and yes, I did make that mistake the first time I heard of Bob Kraft. I was like, good lord, the guy that owns craft cheeses now owns the Patriots. But no, he has he has nothing to do with craft cheeses. The guy with a crafty legal team <laughs> who gets him out of trouble. But there was also some other news. First of all, you know, uh, it was reported that. Brian Flores is in no danger of being fired this year, which yeah. is not interesting at all because I think that's something that we all knew. Now, I did a 305 live yesterday where I was asked. Poor sucker. Yeah. I was asked, let's fast forward a year and what are your expectations? And I was saying he can absolutely be fired next year. If the team does not look like it's making any is not on a upward trajectory. Like let's say Mm -hmm. six wins like this year. It looks like we're a safe bet for 0 and 16 or one and 15. Okay. That looks pretty safe. I think if they don't go six and 10 next year or, or even seven and nine, if they have one of those bang up off seasons, I could see, and the team looks kind of stale. I could see where they could fire Brian Flores. What do you think? I don't think so. Not a, not a, if he goes from like no wins to six wins, like who in their right mind is going to no, be I able to justify that's that? I think that's, that's progress. I'm talking about if they, there is no, no progress. Like let's say they go three and 13 next year after they had this bang up off season where they're expecting well, six or seven wins. Well, he's the thing fired. is he's not he's not getting any of the blame for this season, no. and like none. So so it's almost like, yeah. So it's it's a, it's a little bit of a weird thing. So whatever he does next year, even if it's just like four wins or five wins, is going to be looked at versus zero wins and said, clearly he's got them in the right direction. And everybody, you know, there's a there's a thing, and it's it's. I guess it depends on how you win or how you lose too and what the nature of the season is like. But there's a thing that the owner has to pay attention to and and that's appearances too. Uh, as much as people may not like that, 
you have a coach that you hired. Everybody knows that you bombed him intentionally in the first year, and he's got zero responsibility for that. Um, so now they're going to be looking at, okay, well, okay, he improved you by four or five wins or something like that, theoretically. Uh, why would you fire him for doing that? And and so the appearance would – it would be a really bad look, and Steve Ross just wouldn't do it. Um, I, so I think in actuality he's probably, you know, 90-plus percent guaranteed to be able to coach – 2021 in addition to 2020 but um you know i i guess it also depends on how you do it too yeah so um, 2021 could be his expectations year is what you're yeah talking. i think that's the one that's the one word that's a big expectations year and i think that improvement in 2020 but it doesn't have to be you know i don't think it has to be a very high bar in 2020 but um improvement there and then if in 2021, like it's still not, it's, it's not looking good. Like I'm not talking about 11 wins, but if it's not looking good, then, then yeah, he, he's on the hook. He's, he could probably be out by then. Yeah. I would after say, that. Yeah. I would say that some aesthetics as far as next year are kind of important. Like you want a little bit of excitement, especially if you do get to a tongue of law, you want, you want the team to have that, I guess, 2018 Browns look where they went seven, mm-hmm. eight and one, but they were kind of exciting and they paid up, they played a bunch of exciting games, something similar to that. Yeah. But I don't think they need to in order for Brian Flores to stay, to mm-hmm. stick around. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm they're going to be looking at it versus the Owen 16. Yeah. This is the worst team. I mean, it's still, even though they almost beat the, the Redskins, this is still the worst team that the NFL has seen in the modern era. Yeah. Um, so, and it's being, viewed and looked at and today sort of you know signaled even by Miami management that this is not Brian Flores' fault and that he's not on the hook for this so whatever he gets out of the 2020 team you know four wins five wins whatever it'll be bad by NFL standards you'll be like oh wow that's a four-win team that's not a good team but it'll be looked at as like a serious improvement so um so I think I don't I don't think the standards are as high as, as you might otherwise think. I don't think they have to be a six-win or seven-win team. I think, you know, it's it's going to be looked at as improvement versus 2019, which is not his fault. Okay. Now, another thing that came out of this is that Josh Rosen benched Ryan Fitzpatrick back as the starter. We'll start against Buffalo this Sunday. Coincidental? coincidental that this is happening during the owners meeting when you know at the same two so three things came out today right mm-hmm. and they came they came out they came out in like uh quick succession um i think the first one was no matter what brian flores is safe yes a b roger goodell no thank i don't see any tanking <laughs> c ryan fitzpatrick's the starter is that a coincidence? I don't think so. I don't know. Because, like, you know, Brian Flores is like, okay, I'm good no matter what. Then I'm going to start who I damn well want to start and who I've wanted to start from the from the beginning of this thing. Yeah. It, it, it was obvious that he wanted to start Ryan Fitzpatrick all along, right? And yeah. 
and so now he gets the he gets the all clear like i'm i'm good no matter what happens this year including if i win too many games and we don't get to it um you know then so he's like fuck it so okay i'm I'm gonna go ryan fitzpatrick and and also the other thing is though is with the goodell thing it's like i don't see any tanking here and, and them starting fitzpatrick it's sort of like i wonder i wonder about that i wonder if somebody wasn't like kind of giving them a message like listen you better you better start the best guy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or else because we all saw that the offense was terrible under with josh rosen at quarterback um yeah and 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 this was the the one quarter that ryan fitzpatrick took over for him in this Redskins game was the most lively we've seen this team look all year. Yeah. And it's like, and yeah, you're going to start Josh Rosen anyway, you know? And I was want. thinking to myself, you know, you kind of want to start getting some type of an evaluation on guys like Mike Gusecki and Devontae Parker and Preston Williams and even Albert Wilson, like these are guys that you want to know if they are in your plans going forward. And to put it mildly, with Josh Rosen, that wasn't going to happen. Nope. It wasn't happening at all. Okay. So th- these are guys that, you know, at the end of the season, we know for a fact what we need. Okay. We, mm-hmm. know, we know that we need complete overhauls of the offensive and defensive line and probably the entire secondary as well. So those are three units. So you kind of have to have these. It looked like ones. every unit. I'm sorry. It looked like every unit on the Dolphins. I mean, let's be let's be honest. They were losing. They were getting housed on offense and defense uh, every single game, and it was a death spiral. It was it was there was no energy on any side of the ball, and nobody was looking good. There were I don't you know you could you struggle to think of any player that was looking good um, that can say, well, I did mine you know, uh, or I took care of mine. Um, and I think that that's, that's the context that, that you have to view their Cause they, this whole season is supposed to be shopping in their own closet. Like, Hey, you know, what guys do we have on this roster that need to be here? And yeah, then, and find, then, they find and then we'll go get some more. Yeah. I want to I want to say that they want to find at least 20, but they hope that they can find 25 guys. I doubt yeah. that they'll find 25. I think they'll find 18 to 20 that they'll yeah. want to keep from this group. But I don't think you, you'll, you'll know if you have 18 or 20 if you keep starting this guy who just doesn't let your offense function. You know? No, like, I mean, and it's the whole team. I mean, the, the, so when Fitzpatrick came in in that fourth quarter, I mean, the whole team livened up. It was, in, it was defense and special teams too. And it, it was there was like no doubt in anybody's mind they were gonna make they were gonna complete this comeback and tie up the game, which they they did well except they went for two points and and botched it. But um, but yeah, there was it's just like the fact that there was no doubt and they were working on special teams and they're working on defense and um, that's a look that you have not seen from the Miami Dolphins at all for a single quarter of 2019 yet and through through the first four and three quarters games yeah and so um and so that's but that's the only that's the only way you're going to start to find be able to identify players it's like oh wait maybe this guy can stay or oh wait this guy you know this guy might be pretty good 
after all. Um, it, it wasn't going to happen otherwise. It was going to look like all 53 players needed to just be dumped. Yeah. It's a death spiral. It's a de- it feeds on itself. Yeah. So. so, you know, so what happens with Josh Rosen going forward? Can anything be salvaged? Because I have my doubts as to whether a backup quarterback can be salvaged from this because he doesn't seem like he's getting any better throughout this year. He, he had basically a layup for, for him in this game against the, the Redskins. He had a couple of plays where they're completely on him, those two interceptions, and he doesn't get, seem to be getting any better. Like, this was his time to actually mm-hmm. shine in this game. It was an opportunity, and he completely failed. Well, he started faster than he had finished, right? I mean, he started – People were looking. I think it was the fourth quarter of the New England game where he threw some deep passes, or he yeah. just he just basically kept throwing deep, and that was all he was doing. And I, I cautioned people about that. I was like, I know it looked impressive because there there are a couple of nice deep balls that were dropped, um, but this is all he was doing. He was just saying "fuck it" and throwing it deep, and and then the Patriots caught on to that, and and it, it ended pretty, you know, it ended pretty quickly. Um, but he started out quicker than he finished and he was getting worse and not better. And so that's, that's the way it was. His, if he would have started all 14 games, this guy couldn't, couldn't be here in 2020. I mean, that's that I, I told people this from the start when he got, when it was announced, he's like, he's going to start now. I was like, well, they're going to play 14 games with him by the end of this they can't even roster him next year because that's how much value he's going to piss away um, surrounded by this, this bad, bad team. And he's not a very good quarterback anyway. So um, yeah, taking him out now makes them look like the bad guy makes the front, you know, the, the coaching staff and front office look like the guys that don't know what they're doing. And, and everybody's going to be crying about everybody's already crying about what, the evil Miami Dolphins have done to poor, poor Josh Rosen. Yeah, so, the national media is actually cooperating with us. So, I mean, that's a good opportunity. That's a good opportunity. If everybody's on his side, then they they still think he has value. And so Miami can play the bad guy and, um, and bench him again and then only start putting him in game in games when it's a favorable spot for him to go in there and like do what he did against new England and just say, fuck it and throw deep and, and maybe connect on a few of those. And, um, and that might be able, he might be able to hold value that way. He might be able to hold value like in trade. He might be able to hold value as, you know, a legitimate, a legitimate option to carry into 2020 and compete with Tua Tonga Vailoa, um, or whoever we get. Um, yeah, it's, I think this move does preserve his value. And uh, if they would have let him just keep going, I mean, it was going to have been great for going 0 16 if you would have let him keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, I said that from, I also said that. I was like, listen, I'm in the, I'm in the tank. I'm one of those tank guys now. And even though I'm kind of a little bit reluctant about it, um, and that means that I would rather have Josh Rosen be the starter because everybody kept going, oh, you just want Fitzpatrick to play. I was like, no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> Putting Josh Rosen out there for 14 games to me means 0-16 and hello Tua. Yeah. Um, 
you know, he already guided one team to the number one overall pick. And magic, magic happened again. Yeah. So um, now, that was set to happen. Yeah. Now, I, now I we'll see. To, I had to, you know, you know, scratch my eyes as I saw this, but Robert Kandichi and Cordrea Tankersley are active and practicing and expected to play this week. What the hell do you make of this? What do you, wouldn't it just be the weirdest thing ever if, like, Cordrea Tankersley um, in this man-oriented defense, which should fit him, but we've been writing him off forever because, you know, the everything, all the language, the body language coming out him uh, about him has been so bad. Um, but what is that body language really – what has it really meant? Because, you know, the body language on, on – like for instance, Jerome Baker was really great, right? You know, like, yeah. oh man, he's so awesome and he's gonna do well and you know, and no. Um and and it was bad on Raekwon, he was getting hurt, he was, you know, behind, he was losing his job and he yeah, wasn't and he might gonna, and I mean, he might be and the now, best defensive. Now he's you know, he's one of the he's one of the keepers, um yeah. all of a sudden. So wouldn't it be fitting? If Cordrea Tankersley, who coming out of college, you would have said, you know, that's a man-oriented corner, and now he's playing in a man-oriented defense. He he just all of a sudden starts playing, and you're like, wow, like maybe he's the guy opposite Xavier Howard. It would be so. I mean, it, that would really just top it all. <laughs> yeah, and let's face it, his problem was twofold: injury, because he did have some real injuries. He didn't have any fake ones. He had some mm-hmm. real injuries. Okay, uh, he hurt his knee. He hurt his ankle. But Matt Brooke just hated him, and I think we could say that now. Well, so. he wasn't getting the defense either. I mean, it's, yeah, that's, that's his responsibility. Too. He was that's his responsibility. He wasn't getting it, and um, I don't know if this is going to be considerably easier or not. But um, but you know, we'll see. But I do know that they last year New England under Flores played the most man of anybody in the league, or maybe second most. I think. I think it was first most but so um you know this it has the potential to be easier uh, and so i you know i, I i'm actually looking forward to seeing because I, I did like him coming out i mean he was a good corner at clemson and he had his moments as a rookie he, he had his moments sure he was, he was okay. uh, initial moments i thought he kind of tailed off but yeah the like, atlanta game namely where well the new orleans game and drew Brees himself kind of came up and gave him a little love and it's like you know hey that was really good yeah, well, uh, we were we're done talking about you know the bad, so let's talk a little bit about the good. Isn't it pretty and, much all bad. That's <laughs> yeah, pretty much well. You know, it depends on how you look at it. Okay. Well, we almost won. That, yeah, so. as soon as that game was over, I still see an L up there. You know what I mean? Just like mm-hmm. I'm famous for, I hate it. One one of the things I hate the most is when people start grading wins. I this buys that because guess what if you have 14 shitty wins you're 14 and 2 and probably the best record in the nfl okay so i despise people that grade boy you're really hitting you're really hate nick saban (laughs) oh my god did you see him against texas m you would have thought that they lost 70 to nothing it was insane he was despondent after that game yeah but yeah, I, he knows, I despise he, he knows that. his defense is shitty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay. But yeah, I despise that. Okay. You win, you win 13 to 12. Guess what? I'm fine with it. We'll worry about it on Tuesday 
about what went wrong. But come Monday, I'm happy that we got the W. So we got the loss. We got the L. That's all I care about. I'm, I worry about the rest during the rest of the week. But the good was these quarterbacks. And not all of it was good because it was actually – Wait, which week. quarterbacks? Yeah. Our quarterbacks? Bad. Surely not our quarterbacks. No. Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe. Well, but... one of them is going to be our quarterbacks. I'm talking about the college quarterbacks. Oh, okay, the quarterbacks. I'm talking about college quarterbacks. From, I'm talking about Joe Burrow, who uh. is going to give a brief introduction to our listeners here today, Tua to Tungavailoa, and Justin Herbert, who seems to be a guy that everybody hates. I'm gonna, let's start there. There's a quote out there, Roto World uh, just came off on my timeline, and there's an NFL scout that, of course, he's not going to you know, be named, but uh, Mario Cristobal, Oregon Ducks coach, got into it with this unnamed source, basically, saying that this is a not bunch of nonsense, that he's never coached a quarterback with a higher football IQ. That's a Mario Cristobal quote. But this quote is basically that Justin Herbert will get his first coach fired. What do you make of that, Chris? First I off, you, I know you're not the biggest of fans. First off, I'm, refresh me. What quarterbacks Mario Cristobal has Mario Cristobal coached? Well, FIU, but to be also fair, he was recruiting coordinator at Alabama. And there's a certain guy that we want that I guess he gets credit for. Really? He was there. He was a recruiting coordinator at Alabama when Tua Tungavailoa got recruited. So, who gets credit for that? Nick Saban? Uh, I don't know, man. That's iffy to me. But, uh, okay. But he didn't coach him. He did not coach him. He was recruiting. He did not coach him. No. At Alabama, Alabama, he would have, if he was there and he was taking credit for, I mean, he was always an offensive line guy. But, um if he was if he was taking credit for the guys that he coached at Alabama, then we're talking about we're talking about what Blake Sims and and uh, AJ McCarron and some uh, maybe maybe even if you go if you go back far enough, there's some some fuckheads that were really really <laughs> awful. Um, some, so wait, wait, wait. some fuckheads that were really really awful. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's escaping. Right it's escaping my mind right now. Um, the 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 guy in particular that I'm that I'm thinking of. Um, but I'll, I'll think of it. Uh, no, I'm not thinking of Blake. Oh, Jake Coker. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, I meant Cokehead. <laughs> um, so oh, Jalen Hurts was okay. Tech, okay, Jalen Hurts was there uh, for, but he was not. He was not Mr. Football Instincts anyway. Um, as far as uh, what Mario Cristobal is talking about with Justin Herbert, I don't know. I, I don't think um, – I think when I watch Justin Herbert play, I think it's obvious that he's more talented than than guys that w- we might compare him to like Ryan Tannehill or Josh Rosen. Um, yeah. There's there's more that he's taller. He's got a you know better – better athleticism and um and movement skills and obviously you know throw it 
through both sides of the barn, <laughs> you know, but yeah. if he can, if he can hit yeah, the he side of the attempt, broad, he will attempt if he can hit the broad that. side of the barn, he's going to throw it through both yeah. sides. Um, he will so, attempt passes that the other guys that we like probably wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Which so is also um, a bad thing. So, yeah, but so, so clearly there's talent there. He's more talented than those guys. And that, that means I look at that sort of talent as really kind of a high floor thing. I don't think of it as a high ceiling thing, um, that physical based talent. Um, yeah. So he, there's only so bad he's probably going to, he, he probably can be with, and you think, look at him. He's a good, he's a bright kid, very bright kid. Um, you know, he does have good, a good football brain. I think the scouts love him for that. I think he's uh he's a good student. He's um good locker room. Just everything really checks out on him. It's it's very similar to Carson Wentz. Uh if you look at the story that Carson Wentz was coming out of North Dakota State. Mm-hmm. Um very similar. And so there's there's talent there. There's this is I'm I'm talking about like the floor here. You know, there's talent there. That said, I watch his games and I'm just constantly seeing the same the same shit as I see constantly see from Josh Rosen. Like it's sixty uh, percent of the plays or something like that. It's like you're doing something wrong. Like it's either you're holding ball too late and you're not showing the anticipation. Um, you're not showing awareness in some in some manner. You're not working the pocket in some in in some way that you're supposed to. Um, he just keeps he he keeps messing it up and and really the most most often it's ball placement most often it's really just ball placement and accuracy just man why that guy hits the wrong shoulder more than a lot of other guys um yeah he's a, and he's so a that's thrower, yeah instead of a, a placement guy which is well yeah he's, he's the the ball well he's he's not i wish he were on the numbers um it, it, his ball placement is generally not good uh, and and the accuracy uh, can be spotty too. Like the consistency of the, you know, he misses some throws he's not supposed to miss. Um, so yeah, he, I think that that's that's the worry is that that's why some coach is going to get fired because he's got all this talent and it's very enticing. But then you turn around and one day you're going to be like, how come I'm not winning games? And, um, yeah. and it's going to be because, you know, he's holding it late on this play and then wrong shoulder on this play and then missing him on this play and then fumbling on this play and, you know, or not working the pocket. I, mean, I saw him. There's some things that he does in the pocket. That I'm just like, what are you doing? Like that, that is you know, what instincts are those? That's, that's weird. Like what, why would you do that? Um, so yeah, that, that's what you have to worry about with him. And I think that that's why the scout is probably right is, you know, he is, he is waiting. He is going to get some people fired, I think, uh, as a pro, but then again, then again, it might also look pretty good as a pro one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's enticing, but man, does it cut both ways? Yeah, I had a guy last year who, who used to be in scouting circles. He used to be actually a scout. And uh, I think I told you about this guy. And he told me that that when he was with his last team, which I believe was the Buffalo Bills, that they had a comparison of him to Ben Roethlisberger. And hmm. that a lot of their tape, a lot of their, their write-ups leading up to that draft in 2004 
was eerily similar to what they're seeing with Justin Herbert. Mm. So I took that to mean a good thing, but that could also mean a bad thing because a lot of those traits that Ben Roethlisberger has that are not necessarily good traits, Herbert has them in spades. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and remember Roethlisberger early in his career, he made a lot of bad decisions. Um, yeah. And that kind of – I mean, he had that big arm and, and he was very talented, but uh, he threw a lot of – you know, he threw a lot of balls at the defenders <laughs> um, yeah. and they didn't necessarily all come away with interceptions. And I think that when you have, so this is something that people don't necessarily appreciate about a super strong arm is uh, it's, it's hard for defense, defensive backs and defensive players to intercept the ball. Sometimes <laughs> I just yeah. see Jordan love throw the, throw the, throw the ball directly into the hands of a, of a defensive back, but because he just, friggin rocketed it there it just broke the guy's fingers and you know he comes off the field like holding his hands and was like ah you know like it's it just it's hard like a professional receiver catches the ball yeah. uh catches those big those yeah, big i remember there was a play fireballs. and i'll take you down nostalgia lane uh dan marino there was a defensive back they used to give dan marino fits for the new england patriots i believe his name was ronnie lepet i believe Mm. I don't know why that name is stuck in my head, but I think it's Ronnie Lippett. Isn't okay. he and there, related to Tony Lippett? Uh, maybe. Maybe he's his father or something. You know, in fact, I'm going to look him up. Ronnie Lippett. Yeah. I remember, I remember him. Okay. And there was a play once where Dan Marino – yeah, there he is, Ronnie Lippett. Yeah, played against Dan Marino. He was a cornerback for the New England Patriots. There he mm -hmm. is. He actually lives in Melbourne, Florida right now. Okay, so that's him. Ronnie How you doing, Ronnie? He's a listener. Okay. There was a play once where I remember Dan Marino uh, started looking left and turned right and tried to throw to, to Clayton on an out route, and Ronnie Lippett just read the play. Mm -hmm. And it hit him right in the hands, and he dropped it. And Ronnie, you know how defensive backs do where they put their hands on their head, and they're like, I can't believe I yeah, just yeah. dropped that, right? And Dan Marino had walked right up to Ronnie Lippett and told him, you weren't going to catch that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like basically telling him that thing was humming you dropped it for a reason yeah. you know what i mean yeah so so and yeah it's, i think it's i think it's true i think ben roethlisberger threw a lot of those early in his career and defensive backs didn't hang on to them and um and he got of course he got better i mean he was so talented that he bought himself time to get better as a pro and uh and he did get better as a pro um and that's what that's the hope probably with Justin Herbert, and we'll see we'll see if it works out for the coaches that are coaching him. But um, but yeah, I mean, with with him throwing fastballs like that, you know, he'll get bailed out of some some of those would be interceptions. I think. Yeah. Now now let's move on. Uh, our favorite, of course, Tua Tagovailoa played um, Texas A and M had his worst pass of the year through an interception, but it wasn't that bad. I didn't well, think it was I thought he bad. threw late and threw into a crowd, and I thought he was a little greedy. He got a little bit greedy when he didn't need to be greedy, when there was other things he could have gotten. I felt, I, thought, I felt it was completely unnecessary to make that pass in that spot. Well, I, so, so I, what I noticed when he throws a pick is he, he usually throws a pick because a defensive back is in a, and is in a, is in a spot he shouldn't have been. Yeah. Um, or, or at least – at least relative to to the defensive look that they were giving him, 
Mm-hmm. Um, when the defensive backs are successful in playing games and disguising things and um, and reading, you know, reading keys and sort of off-roading, I guess, um, then then that's when he throws a pick. And I'm fine with that, to be honest. I'm, I'm fine with a college player that looks like that because – at the next level, they're they're going to continue to get better, and they're going to see they're going to see disguise coverages a little bit better, and they're going to they're going to learn those lessons of, you know, when when not to to throw that ball. But um, but yeah, I'm fine. I'm really like you, you don't what you don't want to see is interceptions because of you know stuff that this guy really had no excuse not to see. Yeah, and in this case, you know, he had. I think he had on on the left side. He he clearly like one safety. The le, the safety on his left hand side was had to be in man coverage of this um, this receiver, and so you know that's what he was seeing there. And on the right side, I think he just thought that the other safety would find some work, but instead the safety read the tenant the read read the um the eyes and the tendencies I think and kind of freelanced over as a free safety and, um, and, and robbed the ball. And it was, you know, it was a good play on his part. Um, yeah. I, I, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought he passed with, with flying colors, uh, the test with flying colors. This was going to be the best defense he had faced all year. And he did fine. And I especially liked how he managed the game as it started getting a little bit more chaotic toward the end with Texas mm-hmm. making a comeback. I love the way he managed the, the lead and, Really didn't give away an inch and actually gained an inch by scoring a late touchdown. So I thought he was fine. I thought it was a good performance. You know, we're waiting to see more. We, you know, I'm pretty sure we're all waiting with bated breath to watch him against LSU. That's well, be something, good. something though to bring up though, and I saw this bring up brought up earlier because he gets mm-hmm. he gets a lot of criticism. He's like, oh, all he does is throw slants. You know, and yeah. Shit like that. It's like, listen, if you are familiar with Tua Tungavailoa's career. Okay, and last year in particular, but then you know this dude was thrown deep all the friggin' time, and and was and was making plays that way deep. And this year, you know, so this year they changed the offense up a little bit to try and be more effective and be you know and not get so hamstring when when some when teams can, defenses can take away the deep ball. And now he's getting punished for, oh, all you do is throw slants. And he's, yeah, yeah, they're, they're being more versatile as an offense. And he's, he's handling, he's, he's getting to his third and fourth reads more often. And he's, um, and he's anticipating, I mean, the speed, and it's really all about speed with him. It is all about speed from, from the moment the ball is snapped. I, I don't remember seeing a guy's feet work that quickly, his body work that that quickly and get into the throw and get through the throw that quickly and it's throwing so he hits, it's it's textbook it's absolutely it, it's not it's more than textbook it's i haven't seen textbooks textbooks aren't written this way i mean this is he's he's doing it faster he's doing it at blinding speed and he's doing it before the time he's doing it slightly before the timing before um you know the timing window is meant to be done and the reason he's doing it is because he's anticipating, he's often anticipating these uh, these openings and these windows. And if you hit it, the earlier that you can hit it, 
the more you actually maximize that separation because the separation doesn't last that long on some of these short passes. And, you know, so he's, he's getting into it quicker than just about anybody I've ever seen. And that's one of the reasons that the separation is maximized. And he's not just getting into it that fast. He's hitting it right on the front shoulder, right at, you know, at chest level so that the guy can just run right through it without, without even thinking about it. And he's not killing them with, you know, those finger breaking passes either. Mm. Um, and so even though I think he has it in him to, to, to drill it a little bit stronger if he wanted to do, but he's throwing a very catchable ball and, um, and with superior, absolutely superior uh, ball placement and accuracy. And it's the timing. The timing is so friggin' dangerous the way he gets that ball there so fast. Um, yeah. I think it's, you know, like I said, that's better than textbook. That's not textbook to me. That's because that's, that's unique. It's odd the way he does it. Absolutely. Uh, although one thing I do want to study more of, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, it was just something that me and Simon were talking about in the WhatsApp chat, is that we had noticed twice in that game he had rolled to his right and thrown to his right and had skipped the ball to his target to what was essentially – pretty much wide open guys on the boundary. Yeah. So uh, I would like to investigate what really happens with him when he rolls to his right and throws to his right to see if maybe that is a weakness. Okay. Now let's, let's move on to one of our favorites, a guy that I, that I was pretty high on. I've been less high on him. The more I watch <laughs> Tua Tunga Bailoa because I'm starting to see pretty big differences and he had a rough one, although it was not all his fault. Okay, there's the, we have a we have a I wouldn't call him a troll, but let's just say he's a detractor to the three YPC account. All right. And uh, if Jake Fromm farts, he's going to tell us the flavor on, on the account. All right. Jake Fromm threw three picks, period. And that was yeah. his bone of contention. But I tend to agree with you. You told me earlier that only one was really his fault. It was the worst pass of the season, by the way, and maybe the worst pass of his career, which was his first interception. Yeah. But the other I feel like I'm was, hard on quarterbacks, and yet I'm disagreeing. I'm like, you know, I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> oh, my God. That first one was bad. He was on a dead back pedal and just, just yeah. oh, we. But I see, I see pro quarterbacks. I've seen, if you've seen enough Dan Marino tape, you've seen Dan Marino do that a thousand times. Or, yeah, but, yeah, you but know, Dan Marino's Dan Marino. From yeah, I don't but, think has that type of arm. Well, you know, I, I think what it was is, I don't think it was an arm thing there. I think it was just, you know, the defender, the defender was sitting on it and waiting for it. And that was the difference. Um, I think the defender was sitting there saying, there's no way he's going to throw it here. Oh my God. No, I mean, the defender, the defender was squatting on that short. I mean, he was, he was like there, he was like, you know, he's waiting for it. He, I think he was, I think he was waiting for that. Actually the bad on that play was not, I didn't think the bad on that was was throwing it. And first off, if you watch the inter- it was a great interception. It was it, like yes. it took it took something good from that defensive back to make that interception. Um, and he, and like I said, he was squatting on it. And and I didn't think it was that bad. the The worst part about the interception was really the only bad, or not the only bad, but I mean, the most bad on that was how he handled the pressure. I mean, because a guy came in on the inside move, and it was more or less kind of a single guy. Um, so you can make that guy miss. And instead of making the guy miss and keeping his, keeping, you know, his relation to the line of scrimmage there, he really just kind of backed up and 
you know, it looked like he might try to outrun him, but then he was like, no, there's no way I can outrun him. And, um, and it, so that's why that's, that's the negative there is you want him to handle pressure a little bit differently. And that shows up in a few places, I think in Jake Fromm's t- in tape, but you know, he's, he's also a young player. He's, he's a legit third year um, in Georgia and he's going to continue to develop. He's already, even from last year to this year, he developed a lot and is getting a lot better. So if why if other guys can improve, I don't understand why this aspect of Jake Fromm's game can't improve. That was the negative on it. But otherwise, he, that was the only pick that he threw that was his fault, straight up. I mean, the other two were not his fault at all. I mean, the, yeah. first off, the third one, the third one, he literally hit the guy in the face mask. I was like, ah, oh, he practically hit the guy in the face mask on that. And then I looked at the replay and I was like, no, no, he actually, he actually <laughs> yes. did hit the guy in the face mask. Yeah. The guy put um, his hands up, the ball went through his hands, hit him in the face mask. And then of course got picked. Yeah. I mean that, so no, not his fault whatsoever on no. that one. And then the second, the second interception, um, the one before that, and that was, that was a freshman wide receiver that ran the wrong route. And it was, it was a clear, it was a clear miscommunication. He was clearly, he was clearly making up his route as he went. And, and this, I mean, they went and corrected it on the sidelines and it was, and that was what it was. I mean, that wasn't on Jake Fromm at all. Um, and so, you know, the, yeah, he had three picks, but uh, only one was his fault. And so you can't hold that and the other two against him. And I'm not making excuses for him. I'm, there's a difference between making an excuse for a guy and just, and just one, you know, with 100% accuracy saying what happened. Yeah. And, um, and that is what happened. Uh, so you yeah. have to look at the game and, and I would also came up short though in the game. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the real problem. He yeah, came I, would, up I would also tell people to, you know, be mindful of, of this Georgia team. You know, this Georgia team might not be, just might not be as good. DeAndre Swift is a guy that I really like and a guy that I will probably, I, pr- I probably would draft. Mm-hmm in this upcoming draft, but he is not Sony Michelle. He is not Nick Chubb. Okay. And if, if anybody's noticed, Nick Chubb is kind of turning into a, a top flight performer in the NFL right now. Oh yeah. yeah and we know Sony Michelle is a productive back. So, Very good. you know, uh, this Georgia team. Yeah. Okay. They were ranked third and they were looking okay, but maybe they're just not that good period. And you know, he didn't have a lot of help in that game because South Carolina got smoked by Alabama and you know they beat Georgia. They- I thought that South Carolina defense was actually pretty decent against Alabama, um, mm-hmm. and and has been this year. I I think they've they've got some players there, but um, yeah, it, it, it was a tough game. Uh, it's when you get picked twice like that, and it's not your fault. That's going to be, and you got two two drives that are wasted because of that. That's going to be tough. Um, I think there were some other drives that that happened or that didn't There's happen. A that, snap also. Yep, there's there's a fumbled snap. Um, and that was so a drive that that was that was looked like it was destined to end up in the end zone. Mm-hmm. And and there was also good in that drive. I mean he he did some he did some significant good in that uh, in that uh, that game, including you know he brought his team all the way down the field and scored the game tying touchdown. Yeah. You know during the final three minutes of the game. I mean that's that's a pretty big time drive from a big time quarterback. And how, long, how long was the drive? Was it ninety six yards or something like that? I mean, it, was, it was it was long. It was so. I mean, he really brought them down. And this is in the final minutes of the game. You know, you're losing by a touchdown, and he went down and got it. And, and 
they didn't get it in overtime. One of the overtimes they turned the ball over because he hit the guy in the face mask and he decided not to catch it. Um, yeah. And then the other drive in overtime, if you notice that ball that he threw, the last pass he threw in the game, I mean, he was asking Robertson to – he was asking Robertson to adjust on that ball, and Robertson did not adjust on it. I mean, it, you, you can watch it over and over. You could see – you could see he was trying to back shoulder him and get him to adjust, and he threw him to the kind of the right spot for the coverage and where the leverage was on the defensive back and everything. And the wide receiver just couldn't get there, and he, he wasn't good enough. And that's, and that's the bottom line. And so that's why they ended up having to kick the field goal and then Blankenship, you know, mind-bogglingly missed it. <laughs> yes. I, he, that he, guy's he, good. I don't yeah, know why he yeah, missed he's that. He's supposed to be really, really reliable. And, wow, missing that kick was not, was not a good he looks like He looks like uh, Baker Mayfield. Like if Baker Mayfield had an alter ego, like he'd put on these weird glasses and, like, you know, maybe yes. messed up his hair a little bit. Yeah, but like, I, I, to be honest with you, uh, it's you know maybe maybe it's my ADD acting in, but kickers wearing ninety eight bothered me. Like I don't understand. <laughs> I, it feels weird to me. <laughs> you know, quit, what act, I mean? quit acting like you actually tackle anybody. <laughs> yeah, ninety eight. Like really, like this kid couldn't find another number, but ninety eight. I'm pretty sure there's a defensive tackle somewhere saying, "Yeah, I wanted that number, but this maybe this guy has ninety eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which brings us to Joe Burrow, and I am mm. utterly, absolutely confused on this guy because I've I've tried to do some work on him, and good God, does he check every single box, okay? He played high school football in Ohio. He's big, 6'4", 220 pounds. He was Mr. Ohio. He got accepted to Ohio State, got a scholarship for football to Ohio State. Now, he did get chased out of there, all right, by Dwayne Haskins, of all people. But he ends mm-hmm. up in LSU, and, you know, well, you're looking at it. You're looking at the season he's having. He's all of a sudden getting himself into the Heisman chase. And that Florida game, it was, a, it was first of all, it was a great football game. But, you know, he came mm-hmm. in with, you know, he came through with flying colors again. I don't know what to make of him. Uh, there's a lot that I see that I like. I just don't know if he has the arm talent that these other guys have. Not at all. I I tend to agree. I don't I understand people. I understand. I don't want to see you in my mentions telling me that that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about and that Jordan Love is a piece of crap. I understand Jordan Love is having a bad year. But you cannot compare them, man. I'm telling you. They just don't throw the same ball. Not but he's close. gonna but he's gonna have a really productive season. And if he beats Alabama, good lord, is the hype train gonna be coming in. Now pro football focus had a pretty laughable <laughs> I don't know if you saw it I think we talked mm-hmm. about it earlier a pretty laughable mock draft where they have him going number one to Cincinnati what that's fine seen? that would mean that would mean like some we we missed on Tua the Tua pick the number one pick yeah but we and still, get him still anyway. got a crack at Tua that would be that would be fucking a dream That'd although like, although PFF has us passing on Tua not only once but twice and right, well, fuck going to, um, to the Chargers at 10. Screw them. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, but I, I would say I would say that if if could you imagine how despondent we would be for four months, right? Mm. If if we miss that, like we get the number two overall pick and the Bengals have number one. So you know the Bengals are getting a quarterback, right? I mean, that's 
the, you can try and make them offers, but they're going to be like, you know, fuck you, fuck you. We're taking a quarterback. Um, yes. So we would be so despondent for four months. And then the name gets turned in and it's Joe Burrow instead of Tua Tunga Viola. Could you imagine like how high and drunk everybody in Miami would be that night? <laughs> well, we're like, going to be in Las Vegas. So. Oh, and well, I mean, everybody in Miami would be high and drunk and will be um, blank and drunk in Las Vegas. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, that's, that, that would be incredible. That would be an yeah, incredible scenario. Let me tell scenario. you, this guy checks some – first of all, he's a coach's son. You know, his his father played yeah. at Nebraska, played in the NFL and CFL. He's got Did those lizard know? eyes. Okay. You ever uh, see him? Like, he's got bug eyes or, like, these he had a 40 like reptile year, eyes. A 40-year coaching career? Okay. His Joe Burrow did? His, his father did. Pretty sure Joe Burrow isn't 40 years old. <laughs> okay. His grandmother scored 82 points in a basketball game. Like, this guy's cut out of, you know, he's the cookie cutter. Oh, my God. If Bill Parcells was still here, mm-hmm. oh, boy, would he love him. This is a yeah. Bill Parcells guy. Maybe. He checks every single one of those boxes. But, my God, I don't see it. And I've, and I've, and I've had everybody in my time like, ah, you got to start adding, adding him to your quarterback tracker. And we did, you know, due to popular sure. requests. We added him to our quarterback tracker. So if you go to fivereasonsports.com and you go to the, the three YPC quarterback tracker, his last game against Florida is on there. So mm-hmm. you could peruse every one of his throws. But yeah, I just don't see it. Uh, the, the arm talent is not commensurate with these other prospects. Is he going to get drafted? Well, I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's going to get drafted. He's going to get drafted fairly high. And, um, I would not... say in the top in the top. 30 maybe not 40 for sure i would say well he came into the year he came into the year i think i think the uh scouts i think the scouting services you know had him as a you know day three solid type day three guy and kind of guy a sixth round something like that so um meteoric rises happen um happened with carson wentz the uh the scouting pro scouting services rated him as a priority free agent heading into his final year at North Dakota state. But it was accepted. It was generally accepted that I think it was literally two guys, two guys that were blamed for this. They're like, they did, they did him, they did the workup on him for the pro scouting service um, for maybe it was Blesto. It might've been national scouting um, and gave him that priority free agent grade. And they're like, Hey, they just made a mistake. <laughs> um and everybody else like once the real evaluators kind of got their hands on them they're like what the hell are you talking about um so i i don't think that happened in the case with joe burrow uh so so he, he would really be making a meteoric rise to get in that first round but given the season that he's having thus far it's understandable is he going to continue the season the way that it's happening? i'm not so sure because um you know he's faced some questionable defenses thus far. Florida does not have a questionable defense. I'm not saying that, but at, I will say they had some injuries during that game and that affected his ability to, to do what he did against them. Uh, he does not have the arm talent that the other guys do, but the problem, that's not a problem because quite frankly, neither does Toa Tonga Vailoa. He doesn't have the arm talent that like Justin Herbert has, or, um, you know, Jake Fromm doesn't have the arm talent that, uh, you know, like a Drew Locke or somebody like that, uh, Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the problem is that Joe Burrow is a step, a, a significant step, even below like Tua Tonga Vailoa and and Jordan, or sorry, Jake Fromm in terms of arm talent and his abilities. And it detracts. It does detract from from his game at times. And it may be hard to see it this year because everything is going just right. Yeah. Um, but against you know poor defenses with good. If you look at those first four games, I mean Texas. Texas has a shitty defense, and they play Georgia Southern, Northwestern State, not not Northwestern, um, Vanderbilt. Oh God, Vanderbilt. Uh, Utah State's defense is is not anything this year, um, and uh, and and so, and then there's the Florida game, and this Florida game obviously went really really well for him. In part, I think injuries played a part in that, but he did he did do pretty well. Is he going to sustain that as the year goes on? Not based on what I've seen of him, I don't think so. But I'm open to it. We'll see. Um, I just don't think, you know. Listen, the league needs backups too, and high quality ones. And some of those high quality backups, they they play games and they get famous and they they do well for a time. Gardner Minshew is doing that right now in Jacksonville. Absolutely. I don't know if the NFL still thinks you know, Gardner Minshew is going to end up being the guy, you know what I mean? Uh, in in Jacksonville. So he's probably destined to be a backup, but he's a backup that's clearly able to do some things and, and, you know, get your team through games and get them wins and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's kind of what I see in store for, for Joe Burrow. Uh, otherwise I'm, I'm just not sure he's talented enough. I agree. And yeah, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I tried to, you know, turn myself on to him. I watched this entire game. I watched every throw. I rewatched it again early this morning. And I just don't see it. His pedigree, however, his pedigree is off the charts. Four-star recruit. I could go on and on with everything that he, mm-hmm. that he accomplished to get himself to Ohio State and back up JT Barrett. But you know, he didn't overtake JT Barrett. When Dwayne Haskins came to town, he chased him out of town, ended up in LSU. Now he's going to have a good year this year, but you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see him head to head against Alabama. And if that game was any indication, Alabama LSU is going to be a, a shootout. So mm. we're going to get to see plenty of these two quarterbacks. I think look at Joe Burrow on, if people want to key in on something, you know, really get a look at him on on third down like as a passer third and makeable um you know i i tend it's not that i disregard the third the third and long situations like 10 plus to go um it's not that i disregard them they're interesting to me because some guys can make that happen with their talent uh their their pure talent and maybe you want to know that but I, if you really want to drill down to what a guy how reliable he is looking him on third and and I don't – I mean, uh, as far as I know, uh, Joe Burrow is like 11 of 28, is converted 11 of 28 as a passer on on third third and makeable, um, which frankly isn't very good. And so I would key on that and see if he improves that as the year goes on uh, because a lot of first and second down stuff, that's where, that's where your offense really kicks in. Like you're – how well constructed your offense is and, you know, your running game and play action off of it and, and how dangerous your receivers are and stuff like that. Um, but I think third is when you really start to see where a quarter, what a quarterback himself is made of. 
All right. Uh, well, this was a really meaty episode. And we haven't predicted the Bills Dolphins game. And we probably shouldn't either, but do we? Do we should do we have to? Uh yeah, do we even have to watch the game? Yeah. <laughs> That's the question. Yeah. But I'll go ahead and give a score. Twenty to ten. Yeah, I'll watch it. I'll Twenty watch to it. ten Bills. How about that? Dolphins play a really competitive game against what I think is a playoff team. I think the Buffalo Bills will be in the playoffs this year. Okay, so that's an early prediction. How does 20 to 10 sound to you, Chris? You know, um, I should be able to answer this question, but I, 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 should come, I should come loaded with this already. When was the last time that Ryan Fitzpatrick threw a touchdown for the, for the Buffalo Bills? Huh. For the Buffalo Bills. The last time it was probably against us, wasn't it? Um, you know, when he played, he played in Buffalo in last in 2012, I guess. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to say that he throws the first touchdown for the Buffalo Bills since 2012. Uh, he's going to get pick sixth. Um, <laughs> and, and that's, that's, that's where I'm going with that. Um, so yeah, I think that this is gonna their, their defense is absolutely incredible, uh, or not incredible, but it's a lot better than ours. Um, are are a lot better than our offense. Um, so I think that he's gonna. I think that he's he's Fitzpatrick. A week of preparation for him is not the same as when he comes into the. I think he's the guy that comes into a game off the bench with energy and does really well. I don't know if he's, he's a guy that starts it, you know, from the first snap and really has, goes and has a, has a good game against that Buffalo bills defense. So I, Josh Allen looked like a friggin' genius against us the last time he played us. Um, so yeah, why don't we go with like 30 to 30 to six? Okay. That's nice. That, that would, yeah. I would install much more confidence in the tank. Okay, because I think my but but thirty thirty because in part because uh, Fitzpatrick gets pick six to remember that's my oh yeah absolutely of course yeah well all right guys you can't complain we gave you everything this is one meaty 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 three yards per carry episode we are inching toward our one hundredth episode should be sometime next week wow but and we hope to have Simon by then you know when he finishes gallivanting about Tokyo. Or all of Japan, because I think he's not Japan, only in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's all over. Yeah. But that's it. There is no more. We will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.